0: It's Monday, April the 12th, and this is your morning briefing from The Economist. Coming up, Israel fingered for Natanz blackout and Sinovac's efficacy questioned. First, the world in brief. Iran's atomic energy organisation said a blackout at its Natanz nuclear site was an act of, quote, nuclear terrorism. It did not name a culprit, but various media in Israel, including the public broadcaster, suggested an Israeli cyber attack was probably responsible. This is not the first such incident at the site. Last July, officials dismissed an explosion at the facility as an accidental fire. In 2010, Stuxnet, a computer worm thought to have been created by America and Israel, sent the laboratory's uranium enrichment centrifuges spinning out of control. Sunday's blackout came one day after new centrifuges were ceremonially switched on. Leading figures from scores of American companies joined a video call over the weekend to discuss how to respond to new legislation proposed by Republicans in 47 states that would limit voting access. Despite criticism from Republican lawmakers, executives from several companies were said to be ready to refuse donations to politicians who backed such restrictive laws. Two black business leaders, Ken Fraser of Merck and Ken Chenault, who used to run American Express, are leading the corporate charge to oppose the bills. Anthony Blinken, America's Secretary of State, warned Russia that there would be quote, consequences if it acted aggressively in Ukraine. Russian forces have massed on the border, while Russian-backed separatists clash with Ukrainian regulars. Mr. Blinken also said China would be making a serious mistake if it were to act against Taiwan, and that it had mishandled the initial outbreak of COVID-19. A civil war is brewing in Germany's dominant centre-right alliance, Markus Söder, Bavaria's Prime Minister and leader of the Christian Social Union, announced his intention to become Chancellor of Germany after Angela Merkel. Convention dictates that she be succeeded by Armin Laschet, the leader of the CSU's larger sister party, the Christian Democratic Union. But both he and the CDU are polling poorly and look vulnerable. The head of China's Centre for Disease Control and Prevention expressed misgivings over the efficacy of the Sinovac vaccine and said that it was considering mixing vaccines to improve protection. Gao Fu later backtracked and discussion of his original comments were reportedly censored. Results of Phase 3 trials in Brazil, just published but not yet peer-reviewed, found the jab to be 50.7% effective. Alibaba said it would take a record 18 billion yuan, $2.8 billion fine by Chinese antitrust regulators on the chin, and that correcting its business practices, e.g. by making it easier and cheaper for vendors to list on its site, would not affect profits drastically. The firm's share price rose handsomely. Many investors had expected it to have a harsher, quote, self-examination regime enforced upon it. And two South Korean conglomerates, LG and SK, settled a dispute over intellectual property relating to electric vehicle batteries that threatened Volkswagen's and Ford Motors' plans to build electric cars. LG had accused SK of stealing trade secrets to strike deals with the car companies leading America's International Trade Commission to impose a 10-year import ban on SK in February. The firm will pay LG 2 trillion 1.8 billion dollars. And now here's today's agenda. Union burial ground. Amazon After months of campaigning, workers at an Amazon plant in Bessemer, Alabama failed to reach the majority needed in a mail-in ballot to unionize. Had they succeeded, theirs would have been the first union at an Amazon facility in America. The loss is a blow to America's struggling labor movement. Barely 10% of workers belong to a union, down from 20% in 1983. Amazon will feel relieved that another effort to organize its American workers has failed. Yet the battle is not yet over. The retail, wholesale and department store union, which helped organize the latest efforts, alleges that Amazon broke labor law by intimidating and misleading employees. It intends to complain to the National Labor Relations Board, which regulates labor practices. And organizing efforts are afoot in Amazon warehouses in Chicago and Iowa. Quote, this is just a spark that has started a fire across the United States, says one pro-union Amazon employee in Bessemer. Banking on a Dismissal. Halk Bank. Lawyers for Halk Bank, a Turkish state bank, will today try to convince a court in New York to dismiss charges brought against it by American prosecutors. It is accused of circumventing American sanctions on Iran by funneling revenues from Iranian oil and gas sales through the American banking system, among other offenses. Halk Bank has long argued that it cannot be tried in America. Precedent suggests otherwise. In an earlier trial, one of the bank's executives was found guilty of similar crimes and sentenced to 32 months in prison. Assuming the court allows the case to proceed, the bank may face a multi-billion dollar fine. A guilty verdict also risks damaging the reputation of Turkey's banking sector and embarrassing the country's government. American prosecutors have accused a number of former Turkish cabinet officials of backing the scheme, sometimes in exchange for millions of dollars in kickbacks. Law and Disorder, Myanmar Aung San Suu Kyi has a court hearing scheduled today. Myanmar's de facto leader until deposed by the army in February, she is charged with violating the Colonial Era Official Secrets Act along with several minor offences. If convicted, the former charge alone could earn the 75-year-old a 14-year sentence. Ms. Suu Kyi has not appeared in public since being detained on February 1st. At her last hearing, which Ms. Su Chi attended virtually, her lawyer said she looked healthy, but that it was unclear whether she was aware of the events since the coup. Mass strikes organised in opposition to the army have paralysed the economy and brought many governmental institutions to a standstill. Even if Burmese wanted to go to work, many are too afraid to do so. To terrorise dissenters into submission, the army has killed more than 700 people, sometimes at random. On Saturday, about 80 were massacred at a protest. Antibodies for Adherence Saudi Arabia Tonight, clerics will scour the skies in search of the Hillel, the crescent moon that announces the new month. With it begins Ramadan, a month-long period of daytime fasting for the world's 1.8 billion Muslims. In normal times, Ramadan draws large crowds to Saudi Arabia for the Umrah, the lesser pilgrimage to Mecca. This year though, most aspiring pilgrims will be turned away, The kingdom is receiving only those who are immune to COVID-19, either through a vaccine or having recovered from the disease. Last year, Saudi Arabia all but cancelled the Hajj, the pilgrimage to Mecca that every Muslim is obliged to perform once in their lives. It permitted only around 1,000 pilgrims and none from overseas, instead of the usual 2 million. An immunity exemption could allow for larger crowds, which would be welcome news for both the faithful and the kingdom's finances. Pilgrims contribute around $12 billion to the Saudi economy annually. Stepping Out England's Lockdown Today, England takes another step out of lockdown. Shops, hairdressers and gyms will open for the first time since the start of the year. The country is recording fewer than 2,500 cases of Covid-19 a day, down from a peak of nearly 55,000 in January. The sharp fall reflects both a tight lockdown and rapid vaccination campaign, thanks to which nearly half the population of England has received a first dose. The government is also employing new measures to keep cases down. Vaccine passports are being tried out at events including the final of the FA Cup, a football tournament. More rigorous contact tracing is being used to suppress worrying variants. And the government is offering twice weekly testing to the entire population free of charge. Boris Johnson, Britain's Prime Minister, acknowledges that the country's emergence from lockdown is cautious. His hope is that this prudence will also make it irreversible. Finally, here's the quote of the day from Franklin Roosevelt, who passed away on this day in 1945. We consider too much the good luck of the early bird, and not enough the bad luck of the early worm. That's it from The Economist morning briefing, available every weekday and on Saturdays. You can hear interviews and analysis from our journalists, including our current affairs podcast, The Intelligence, by searching for The Economist. And as a subscriber, you have access to each week's full edition in audio. Just download The Economist app on your mobile device to start listening.